0: This is Jane Gunn, the corporate peacemaker and author of How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. And this podcast is about how we can each use the skills and tools of mediation and conflict resolution to help resolve conflicts and disputes at work and at home. I'm speaking today to Michael McElrath, who's the Senior Litigation Counsel at GE Oil and Gas, based in Florence. Um, So, so Michael, tell... Uh, us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in the world of mediation.
1: Uh, well, I, as I said, I'm a senior litigation counsel. I came to the job where I currently am from a law firm um, about a dozen years ago. And I found myself with, um, at one point when I began to count after actually having one or settled several cases, um, we had something on the order of 143 cases around the world. Um, it was the company I worked for is an engineering um, and services company, we apply equipment and ser- supply equipment and services to the oil and gas industry. And I was looking for a way to survive in my job and do, do a good job. Uh, notwithstanding the, the caseload that I had and mediation just seemed the obvious, uh, tool to put into your toolkit to try to go after and attack the problem. And I was fortunate at the time to have somebody who would, turned out to be something of an informal mentor within the company, PD Villarreal, who yes. um, he's now the head of litigation at uh, Sharing Plough Corporation. And mm-hmm. PD had implemented what we call EDR in General Electric. It's the early dispute resolution system, a way of trying to find ways of accelerating the resolution of cases in which mediation is one of the preferred tools. Yes. So I, I, I got a quick introduction into mediation my first year when I was just trying to do whatever I could to reduce the caseload that I had, while at the same time trying to find optimal outcomes for my client, which was the company.
0: So, so tell us a bit more about how early dispute resolution works, Michael.
1: It works. It actually it's interesting. It works differently depending on who the company is or who the party is that's implementing it. Um, In my division of General Electric, it's rather informal uh, in that we rely heavily on early case assessment that it's it's a form of risk assessment. You look at a dispute, uh, whatever stage you're in, we try to do them at the earliest possible moment. We have to do them within 90 days of a case being initiated in court or in arbitration. And, you know, the, the, the basic outcome is to um, look at the law, look at the facts, and try to predict what the outcome is going to be and what it's going to cost you to get there. Say you've got an international arbitration for a 2 million, $5 million 10 million dollars, euros, or whatever currency is involved. You'd say, all right, um, well, here, here are the circumstances, here's the allegations. We've looked at so many documents, interviewed uh, several people, and we've checked the applicable law we think the likely outcome is that we'll get an arbitration award or a court decision in two and a half years, um, and it will be, and the most likely outcome, well, it will be X. Um, Worst case, it could be, reasonable worst case, it could be Y. Best case, it might be something else. Um, And we we look at then what are the facts and the legal issues that might improve our most likely case and take it towards um, the more closer to the best case. And we also look at what are the costs. Um, and once we've got what we think is a handle on the potential resolution, we say, well, how can we improve that? Um, is there a way of negotiating a successful outcome You know, between now and those two and a half years? Taking into account also that this dispute doesn't just have external costs. It also has internal costs. There may be customer impact, relationship issues, supplier issues. Um, you're gonna, there are going to be business people who are going to have to dedicate a substantial part of their Jobs. Um, I have a dispute right now that's just getting underway, and I've had you know I I have business people in my conference room for an entire week, yeah. and, and and that means they're not doing their their day to day jobs. They're working on a contract that was signed four years ago, that, that's over. So it's that's not, not productive work for the company. Yeah. And, so the, uh, the lost
0: lost opportunity costs for the company are, are taken into account in your case,
1: right? And and, and and we try exactly, and we try to we try to find a way. To um, to propose solutions that, in, in a sense, it's you set a target for yourself and you say, how can I beat this target? How can I do better um, through a resolution today? And even if you think you're 100% right, I mean, you could even it works even when you may, you may say, well, you know, um, we're, we're definitely going to win this case. It looks like it's a slam dunk. But it's going to take us three years to get there. It's going to be a distraction for some of the business people. There may be important customer issues here that are in dispute, and you know, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you, you actually run the risk of winning. And what, what I mean by that is that, you know, if if you've got a relationship with somebody and you take they take you to court or you go with them and you win, yeah. um, that that's that's that that may have implications on the business side um, that are. That are not those that are consistent with business goals.
0: Yes, and that's fascinating and one of the things I, I always try and do when I'm talking with organizations is get them to think of these wider costs. It's not just about the legal costs, the advisory costs, it's how much is this going to cost you overall taking into account productivity costs, business time and most importantly relationships and people forget it's very difficult to put a price on a relationship but you know, internal and external relationships are what drive business forward.
1: Right no you know, I have a little story that i that I tell sometimes to people and to, to to get them on board with early resolution, and that is that there are companies there are legal entities actually that that go after every single penny that is owed to them, and they defend um, every claim down to the last dollar when they think that they should be defended um, and those are called bankruptcies um, you know, <laughs> bankruptcies have an obligation to you yes. know they, they are they are um they look towards the past and are trying to wind up all the activities But if you're going to be forward-looking you have to accept as a cost of business that there's going to be some degree of conflict and you have to you know consistently try to find the optimal ways of managing that conflict
0: and uh, we talked a bit when we when we spoke earlier Michael about how conflict is is normal within a business setting uh, and business relationships and therefore it shouldn't be something that we're afraid of or that companies are afraid of it it's just something they need to get a better handle on maybe
1: yeah no I I think it's, it's an important point that when you're a large organization then you you do see conflict repeatedly and you can prepare for it and even systematize it yes. it's much more challenging when you are you know a single person you know and and uh, or a small company three people you know or 10 employees 20 employees you know, you may only have one major conflict in the history of the entire company or one every five or ten years. Mm. And, and they can be, you know, transformational for the business. And it's, it's very difficult in those cases for people to step back and, and um, detach themselves and say, well, you know, how can I beat the potential best, you know, the most likely outcome here through negotiation. Um, that people tend to rely very much on their advisors, by, on their, the experts and the, uh, the, the counsel that they appoint. Um, And they can often let themselves be guided away from what they otherwise do very well, which is managing their their commercial risk in a a very intelligent way.
0: But even more important for those smaller companies to have planned in advance how they will deal with it and perhaps to have an understanding of mediation and where it fits into the picture for them. Exactly. So, Michael, we spoke about um, your evangelical approach to mediation uh, and the fact that GE is a thought leader on this and and has been for many years, but that you still come across objections to mediation. What are those?
1: Well, you know, yeah, actually I prepared um, once, I think it was here in Florence, for the Florence uh, Chamber of Commerce, where I I gave a presentation about mediation, and it was to a number of local lawyers and, and business people, and I thought I would address to them the six objections that I heard most often. Um, because we, we propose mediation uh, frequently, if not um, in all our disputes, we try to get a, 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 a mediation included or at least considered in virtually every dispute that we have. And so we hear a lot of objections. Um, so I, I jotted down at one point the, the, the six that I thought that were the most common, and my responses to each of those. Okay. Um, the, the first one that I that I still hear, I, 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 Used to hear it more frequently, um, and, I, and I hear this often in jurisdictions and countries where mediation is only, has not yet been introduced or is beginning to be introduced. Uh, and it's a legal reaction, a, a litigator's reaction to the concept of mediation. And that is that mediation um, will not produce a, um, a binding or enforceable outcome. And, and this is, I think, this is the reasoning that comes over from the arbitration bar or lawyers' experience with arbitration. Is if you, if you get an arbitration award, that has the same effect as a court judgment. And say, so, but if you have a mediation, um, that doesn't produce um, a an enforceable court decision or enforceable arbitration award, which I think. Um, is based on a fundamental inter- misunderstanding of what mediation is. I mean, mediation can produce a settlement agreement, and you know, and, and you talk to the same lawyers and say, yes, but you've also engaged in settlement discussions, haven't you? Oh, yes, well, of course, all the time. Okay, well, what's wrong with a settlement? And so, I, you know, it, I think that's 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 a common misunderstanding that I think is based on the idea that that, that mediation is somehow a an offshoot or a hybrid of arbitration.
0: Yes. And the answer is that the settlement agreement is, is enforceable as a legal contract.
1: Exactly. Well, the settlement is really, I mean, people understand what settlement agreements are. I think that they, they get hung up, it's lawyers getting hung up on the process. And again, trying to, to equate mediation with arbitration rather than trying to equate mediation with negotiation and settlement.
0: Yes. What other objections do you come across, Michael?
1: Uh, well, I'll run, I'll run through the list and maybe we can uh-huh. go through them one by one. The first is this idea that it doesn't produce an enforceable or, or binding, uh, well, it does produce binding, but it doesn't produce an enforceable outcome. Uh-huh. Um, the second, that it's not suitable for civil law uh, jurisdictions, litigation in civil law countries. Uh-huh. Third is that good lawyers don't need mediation, uh, that they are um, able to negotiate settlements without the benefit of, of this mechanism. Yeah. The fourth is that it's only really suitable for um, small disputes. Um, and or family court matters for particularly you know discrete areas of, of disputes. Mm. The fifth is the corollary to that which is it's only suitable for very large companies having very large disputes, uh, I, I hear both. Um, and the sixth is that it's, it's not really an objection to mediation but when to propose it uh, which often becomes an objection to getting mediation going and that is that you really have to be careful about extending offers to mediate when there's a when you, when you predict that your offer is not going to be accepted or where there's a reasonable chance that it won't be accepted right uh the sort of fear of going first yes um so it, we just addressed the first one which is that mediation doesn't produce um, an enforceable decision or arbitration award and again i think that confuses process with what mediation really is and you Commonly, they have to do a little bit more time explaining mediation and and how it's an extension of negotiation. I I come from a uh, New York training, and maybe that's because uh, because of that. I, I when I talk to people, I tell them that mediation is sort of like dispute therapy. <laughs> it's like you know you go to a therapist, not? a psychologist, and they kind of help you find the way forward. Um, and I and I find that helps people understand a little bit better what what the process is about. Yes. Um, the second objection that we just mentioned is that it's not suitable for civil law jurisdictions. And that, I think, is really – there is actually some some basis for that because litigation in civil law systems is not nearly as expensive as it is in the common law systems. Um, and, and, you, and you have to give people uh, some – some the, the devil is due in these cases or, or give people credit for their arguments. Well, you're right. I mean, maybe the savings that you'll achieve – through a settlement or through mediation will not be as great as the savings you would have achieved had your case been heard in a common law jurisdiction. But that doesn't mean that mediation is somehow not valid or mediation can't be used to help you find the right outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the third is that good lawyers um, don't need mediation. <clears throat> yeah, that's, I, I, that's
0: what I hear all the time. We mediate all the time, they say. <laughs> we
1: mediate, yeah, and that's the way they say it. Well, we mediate all the time. You know, actually, one person who, who told this to me was was my mother, who's a judge all right. <laughs> in California. And she uh-huh. said when I was getting into mediation, um, I began using it. She says, well, Michael, I mediate all my cases. I said, what do you mean you mediate your cases? Oh, yeah, I get the parties to settle. Yes. So, mom, that's yeah. not mediating, that's being a judge and getting parties to settle.
0: Yes, yes. Um, so, so how would you answer that question? That Because people say, well, we don't need a mediator, we're, we're actually, in effect, negotiating well ourselves. But, you know, what, what difference does a mediator bring to a case?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, it, that's actually a tough question because if people say, well, you know, we're still negotiating, um, you know, why do we need to bring a mediator in? I think that we're capable of trying to reach a resolution here. You mm-hmm. know, you... I don't know how far you can you, you can delegitimize the other side's view of their capabilities to reach a resolution. Um, yes. What I try to do is say, well, the door's open. If you think that mediation, like we do, could be more help us be more effective or more quickly reach a resolution, by all means, let's try it.
0: And do you think um, mediation sometimes creates, in those cases, more creative solutions than perhaps um, litigators might negotiate for themselves?
1: It certainly can yeah. uh, there are ongoing business relationships, but even where it's a zero-sum game, you know, where there's not going to be any repeat business or there's no, very little chance for um, future relationship, yeah. mediation can accelerate things. You know, you get there, you get to the, you know, you give yeah. yourselves deadlines, you get somebody involved. There can be advantages even in those situations. Yeah. So small disputes. Yes. um what do, how do you respond when, when they, they come to you and they say well yeah this sounds like a good idea but you know it really sounds like something that would be better off for family uh, domestic disputes or um small cases or um, you know small claims but for mm-hmm. big complex disputes like this um you know doesn't seem to apply uh, and I and I that that I think is a pretty easy one to respond to you, you can just give the examples of all the big companies that are using mediation yep yeah, you know, I'm a member of the of the international mediation of the board of the International Mediations to the Institute (IMI). Uh, on the board with me are um, lawyers from Northrop Grumman, from Shell, and from Nestle. Actually, yes. the chairman of IMI this year is is, um, is from Nestle. So, if big companies are promoting this for big disputes, I think that you just say, "Well, look around." Uh, and, I, and I think that that's an objection that that you hear less these days commonly, because mediation has been promoted pretty successfully around the world by a lot of large companies and organizations. And that leads you to the next objection, which is, well, you know, mediation. And I, I've actually heard this a lot from, from Italian lawyers. Well, you're General Electric, you're a huge company. You can use mediation, but, you know, for small companies, small disputes, for labor disputes, it, for example, it's really not appropriate.
0: Okay.
1: And, you know, you, I think, again, you have to explore the reasons that they believe that, well, why do you say that? Um, and you can look to resources there and say, but you know, here is somebody who does labor mediation, or here is somebody who does this type of mediation. Um, here's somebody who has their, you know, IMI, by the way, is fantastic at doing this because you can look on the IMI portal and, and, and find CVs of people who do mediate these types of disputes and yes. you can point to that. Um, but again, I think that these sorts of objections require you to a little bit explore the concerns and perhaps even the anxieties of the opposing party or council as to why they think it's not appropriate for, for this particular dispute or for them.
0: So what you're describing in effect is mediating pre-mediation. In fact, you're, you're using the same skills that a mediator would use to challenge the assumptions that people are making about mediation.
1: Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to mediate to get to mediation. Um, and but some of these objections are not just with the other side. Some of these objections can be with your with your own client. They yes. can come. You know, they can come from. And, and I've heard these from within the company. Some of these, you know, that uh, um, we're still negotiating. I don't think we need this. You know, why do we need? We're good negotiators. Why do we need this, this third party to help us?
0: And I was um, talking the other day with with someone else and saying, you know, what what is your client's perception of your role as a lawyer? You know, have they hired a resolver or have they hired a revolver?
1: <laughs> That's yeah. Well, you know, and, and, when, and what, you, what you really hope to do is to is to get your client to a mediation with a good mediator.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because if you can do that, then they become evangelical too. Yes. Yeah. You know, people really. I don't think anybody, and this this was true of me, and it's true of everybody else I've spoken to, that nobody really understands or appreciates what mediation is and what it can do until they've been through one, yeah. at least mm-hmm. one, with with a real mediator.
0: And that's fascinating, isn't it, because I've certainly been in these mediations where people who were resistant at the beginning, as you say, become evangelical um, and, you know, they become your, your best advocate for mediation.
1: Oh, yeah. no, I, I had a case um, several years ago with the uh, Swedish um, division of one of our energy companies that I was helping with a, an intellectual property dispute they had with a Norwegian company. and. They just thought the Norwegians were being outrageous, they were being uh, thick. Um, I think that was the term that was told to me that they just <laughs> didn't get it, that they preferred to go to court because they didn't understand that the product that they'd invented really had no real value. Right. I proposed mediation. The general manager, guy um, Anders Carlson, I, I, I have no problem naming, he continues to be a good friend, um, said to me, he says, Mike, I, you, know, you can try mediation, but I can tell you, um, I'll, I'll take your advice, you're the expert, I'll go with you on this but I can tell you it's gonna be a useless endeavor. We went to mediation, um, and I discovered the mediation, by the way, that the Norwegians had the same uh, impression of my Swedish colleagues, that they were also (laughs) rather thick, difficult to deal with, um, didn't wanna listen to reason. Uh, We wound up settling at, at the end of the mediation um, on the same day of the mediation, and Anders became, he became a convert. He called me a year later, and, and he said, look, I got this dispute, but it's, now it's with a Swedish company, and they don't understand anything about mediation. He said, "Would well, you call their lawyers, like you did in the <laughs> old case, and explain to them. Um, you know, he, 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 he really saw that it was, it was, it was a business tool. Yeah. You know, and he, his next business dispute came up, he said, I wanna, I wanna go down this process before I get anywhere near a Swedish courtroom.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. So Michael um it, your your last point was is that one you know when to offer mediation really and and that you know there there are, there's a right time and and maybe a time that's not so right
1: Yeah you know I when you the beginning of a dispute um you hear a lot of objections to well maybe the timing isn't right for mediation we should wait for later um you you hear a, a, you, you're not US lawyers and I think English lawyers will often tell you well we need to see the case develop a bit more first. Um, you hear this a bit less in civil law countries just because the cases tend to be more front loaded. But in the common law jurisdictions where cases tend to be developed through evidence that's presented in the course of the case, you'll also you'll often hear an objection that the timing isn't right um, and that, that from a negotiation perspective, you might be better off uh, not making an offer to mediate unless you're certain that your offer is going to be accepted. Yes. That, you know, we're gonna, if we offer to mediate, um, they're just going to reject it and then we will look weaker, mm-hmm. I think is, is is the fear. Which I think you can turn and you should turn on its head and say, wait a minute, if we offer to sit down with the other side and say, we're willing to resolve this dispute on fair and appropriate terms, the way it should be resolved, and explore all the potential options, and you're telling me that you're not willing to do that with the benefit of a third party? I mean what does that tell me about what you think of your case? Mm. So, again, I try to turn this around and say, well, let's offer to mediate in that case because we want to see if they'll reject mediation. That, That may give us information about really how serious they are about the case. And maybe there'll be other opportunities to settle along the way.
0: And, and I think sometimes people are afraid, aren't they, that they're going to give away too much information in a mediation, that they want to keep their cards close to their chest and that they're going to, to, to reveal their hand a little bit too early.
1: Yeah, no, and you hear that metaphor a lot too. Yeah. I don't want to show my cards until I have to. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a lawyer, I think you often have to say to your client, well, you ought to have the courage, if, if your cards are good cards and they're winning cards, you ought to be willing to show those cards now. Or at, at least give us a had- glimpse of them. <laughs> Or give us a glimpse of them without having to make both parties spend, you know, a lot of money, and, and spend a lot of time, you know, in, in the litigation. If you, if you think you got good cards, you ought to have the courage to show them.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think I think there's actually value in in a offer to mediate that gets rejected. Yeah. But I've always wanted to write an article, and maybe one day I will. You know, the the benefit of offering to mediate and having that offer rejected. You know, what, is that, what message that does that send about the one side? Uh, there's a benefit to you with, as the offerer because you could, as I said earlier in our discussion, you know, you could win the case. Um, and you may have relationship issues and you can always go back and say, look, you know, I told you <laughs> or I offered to you two years ago to sit down and try and resolve this. You were the one who rejected it. Yeah. And you may find that your offer to mediate may uh, may help a little bit smooth over relationship concerns if there is a relationship
0: one of the things that I find in mediation when when people eventually get there after maybe many years is they is they say oh we we've resolved this in a day and then they look back at the legal cost they paid and they say, "Why did it take us so long why didn't
1: we, why didn't we do <laughs> this earlier you? yeah exactly. yeah no, oh
0: I, yeah so we've Michael, I mean to me G e has always been a great inspiration. I met p d. Villarreal at a lunch in Washington uh, many years ago, and I've subsequently met yourself and um you know the, you've been uh, consistently been thought leaders in the early dispute resolution movement and as you say some companies are following in your wake but not enough really um, and so that's sort of one of my um, one of my motivations is to try and get more companies to understand how beneficial um, mediation and particularly in an early dispute resolution of planning for conflict is and, and as you say in a conflict is normal, it's something that's gonna happen in any business of any size and you know if you've got uh, if you've got a plan and if you've got a system really systematizing, as you said, to, to be able to manage that at an early stage, how valuable that is, particularly in terms of, of business relationships as well as business costs.
1: That's exactly right. I, you know, I think that sometimes we we get a little bit too much credit um for Supporting mediation—it's as if we're we're doing it because we're good people. Um, I, th- I like I like to think that we are good people. And I'm a good person, but that's not why we do it. I mean, we're we're a product. You know, we're we're an industrial and financial services conglomerate, is General Electric, and, and productivity is very important to us.
0: Well, uh, right. you're saying it makes good business sense.
1: Exactly. I mean, we do this and we promote it. I mean, we think that the more that mediation is accepted, and that's why we've been associated with initiatives like IMI, with CPR, why we maintain good relationships with groups like Cedar. Um, You know, we we really want mediators and mediation institutions to be successful um, because the more that mediation is embraced, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, in every product or service that GE sells, there's some cost of conflict that's a component of that. If we can take those costs out we're more efficient, we're more effective, you know, we're better competitors.
0: Yes. So, so Michael, do you have a a final thought for listeners today, um, on the value of mediation and particularly using it in in corporate life? Uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) I, I would
1: suggest, I would suggest your, your, your book, um, I think apart from being the best titled mediation book that's out there, um, (laughs) Is, is great guidance to help people, particularly business people who are not lawyers, um, understand uh, how conflict is, is, is a normal part of business and of life, yes. and, they, you know, and, and that they should continue to explore, always want to explore and be open to different ways of trying to find the optimal resolution um, of their conflict. So I, I would—I hate to say this, or I, I'd like to say this, that I think I'd point them to your book, Jane.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Michael. Um, I, I'm grateful for that. So, Michael Makara, thank you very much for your time this morning. It's been fascinating to me to, to learn more about um, your personal thoughts about mediation and early dispute resolution. So thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Jane. Bye-bye.